You're listening to Just One of the Guys, where sometimes my knowledge of obscure 80s pop songs even makes me kind of amazed. Or maybe that's supposed to be kind of sad. Lights out! And welcome to another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. My name is Sean Engel, and what I do on this show, as always, is cover the Green Lantern comics. Mostly the Green Lantern comics, starting out with cover date June 1990 and ending with cover date November 2004. All the while, I'm putting a special emphasis on two favorite characters in Green Lantern comics, Kyle Rayner and Guy Gardner. As it has been for a while, Guy Gardner is essentially nowhere to be seen. Relegated to the Warriors Bar and backups and and comics, he's not going to be showing up too much in the comics. But Kyle Rayner is. In fact, he's the head person in charge in the Green Lantern comic we're going to be covering today, Green Lantern number 167, which is the second part of the Blind storyline. It's continuing on from what we had last week, where Kyle's meeting up with some turtles and insects and horny cat aliens were trying to investigate a cosmic sun eater entropy type thing that unfortunately has targeted the Earth's sun and is about to blow up Earth. So Kyle has a real impetus to try and take care of this. Plus we get the introduction of the bounty hunter Shiro Nova who might be a guy and looks like a girl. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's obviously a character that Ben Robb is trying to seed in the book, and like I said, since I don't know all about Ben Robb's run, maybe this will be an interesting character. Maybe it'll be the beginning of the suckage that everyone has told me that the Ben Robb run is. Hopefully it isn't. Plus, I've also got a couple of emails to read from me wonderful listeners, and a few podcast promos to play. I hope you guys enjoy those, but for right now, enjoy the rest of the song from Peter Wolf from the 80s.
a geek looking for love? Do you long to find discussion on that special comic, TV episode, movie, or toy that's just right for you? Then why not try Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast? Chris and Cindy Franklin can match you with that certain something to satisfy your genre-related longings, no matter the subject. Superheroes. But Robin's like, that was really nice of you, Batman. It's like, I had the room loaded with kryptonite. I can turn it on at any moment. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's, you're talking about... Now, think about this. It's an apartment building owned by Batman. Do you not think that Batman doesn't have their place but Sci-fi. I don't know. You talk about being a sex symbol and stuff like that. I mean, I know a lot of girls thought, you know... William Shatner was it, but I had a, the biggest crush on George Takai. I, 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 I did. I thought, you know. Sorry about that. Horror. And then when we see the Wolfman for the first time, he's in, I don't know, we don't a know. A long sleeve shirt, shirt and a dark pair of pants. Pants with a belt. With a, with belt. a belt. That's right. <laughs> and his shirt's buttoned up all the way, too. Yeah, yeah. And his so, arms. So after he changes into this ferocious beast who can't talk, and doesn't seem to be able to think beyond just attacking things. He, he has lots of dexterity. He went through his closet and... I like this outfit better. Action figures. I actually had all the figures and all the accessories up to a certain point. I really literally did collect them all. You know. Including she I was going to get to that, but... Chris and Cindy have found their own happiness through discussions like this. I could be friends with him. I could be down with this version of the ultra-humanoid. You could be friends with the dude who put his brain inside a mutated albino ape. I married you! (laughs) If you're tired of searching for geek love, then sign up with Supermates for free at supermatescomic.blogspot.com or on iTunes. Tangent, an abrupt change of course. Tangent, to go off suddenly in another direction or on a different line of thought. Tangent, a comic event featuring brand new characters with very familiar names. Waking up to ash and dust I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust I'm breathing in the chemicals I'm breaking in, shaping up Then checking out on the prison bus This is it, the apocalypse Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Find it bi-weekly on iTunes and at greatcrypton.com. In the Tangent Universe, you only know the names.
My name is Chad Bokelman. For five years, listeners were stuck with a mediocre show. Now we will fulfill uh, our listeners' expectations to use the time and topics left to us and bring down those who are threatening to overtake us. To do this, Chad. we must become someone else. We must become really? something else. Really? What? <laughs> this, 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 is your, this is your original attempt? <laughs> yeah, dude. At a promo? Yeah. I think you're kind of confusing what this show's about, Chad. All right, I got another one. I got another one. All right. Okay, maybe maybe, maybe your second attempt will be a little more fresh and original. <clears throat> okay, okay. All right, all right. All right. I'm hoping. Yeah. <clears throat> my name is Barry Allen, and I'm the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. And <laughs> wait, wait, what? Wait, okay. Stop, 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 time out. What? <laughs> this is the Lantern cast. We're supposed to be talking about Green Lantern. Not necessarily new material because most people don't like the books these days, but the point still is we're supposed to be talking about Green Lantern. I guess you're right. And I, I, I guess the old show wasn't really mediocre. I just thought it'd be funny. You did your best, Chad. That, that, that's what's so tragic. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you tell them what the show really is about? It's about Green Lantern. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, there's well, there's the comics. There's well, well, let's run down some things. We've we've done what? We've done commentaries. We've done yes. We we've done movie commentaries. We've done ring our ring encyclopedia stuff, reviewing you know props and rings and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Movie reviews. We do we do stuff like that. Too. Yeah, yeah. We've we commented uh, done running commentary on uh, on uh, issues per month. We've done random issue reviews. Uh, Old stuff and new, lots of old stuff recently. Even we've even had interviews, uh, both in the old iteration of the show and the new iteration of the show with me and Mark. So uh, tons of tons of stuff here over at the Lantern Cast for you guys to listen to. It's not just one. We're not a one trick pony over here. Stole my line. You was just gonna say that. No, we have a pretty broad base of topics and things that we do, and we think I think we have a little bit for everybody. So we certainly would appreciate everybody coming to check us out and we think you won't be disappointed yeah we, you can find us at lanterncast.com we're also on uh, iTunes and Stitcher so search for lanterncast and you can find us easily there and if they want to contact us they're more than welcome to do so Mark you got that information right you always do <laughs> lanterncast at gmail.com <laughs> lanterncast at gmail.com and we even have a voicemail line guess, guess what it's 708 lantern <laughs> awesome and we're on Facebook and Twitter so Find the Lantern Cast in whatever way suits you best, but definitely give us a listen either on our website, on iTunes, or on Stitcher. We're always here for you guys, and I guess what? Closing line, light the lantern? <laughs> keep, keep, keep the emerald flame burning. All right. Awesome. Why do you think superheroes are so important? People need heroes because they need somebody to inspire them, something to aim for, somebody to try to be like. Man of Tomorrow, with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. The other, the caped crusader, carrying out a solemn vow to spend his life warring on all criminals. For seven decades, they've been the world's finest heroes. They've teamed on radio, comics, newspapers, animation, and more. And now, they're teaming up for a podcast. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Up. Up. And away. Atomic batteries. Turbines to speed.
Superman and Batman celebrates more than 70 years of the world's finest team with randomly chosen stories featuring the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight. Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. Find it today at greatcrypton.com. And we are back. And once again, it's time to take a look at the Just One of the Guys email bag. So take us away, Mr. Tom Servo. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. <laughs> you know, it occurs to me, I've been using that email line, delivery line, sort of a parody of the AOL email thing that they did. God, back in the days when AOL was actually a thing. And I don't know how many people would actually understand not only the reference, but who actually says it. Uh, it's from Mystery Science Theater 3000, if you didn't know. The character is played by Kevin Murphy, and it's a uh, gumball machine robot called Tom Servo. And I think the line is from, I want to say the movie Time Chasers, but I could be wrong. I know they did a AOL thing. It, it was, I think it was in like the eighth or ninth season of the show. So it was the sci-fi era. But regardless, watch Mystery Science Theater if you get a chance. And check out Rift Tracks, too. They're fun as well. But enough plugging of other stuff, let's plug some emails in here. And this first one comes from my good friend of the Great White North, Mr. Scott Davis. And Scott writes in with his email entitled, Terry Hate Crime. Scott writes in saying, Hi Sean, I caught up on some issues and have some thoughts. Green Lantern 154, this was a very powerful issue about the hate crime of Terry Burke. This issue was very well done and actually very hard to read, when it definitely has a way of giving us stories that really get us angry. I'm glad this issue got a lot of recognition because it touches on a very important topic that everyone should be aware of. Now back to the story. I have a sense that Winnick really hasn't grasped the character of Kyle that Ron Mars created. I don't think it was in Kyle's character to take the law into his own hands and beat up the attackers. In reality, after all the facts hadn't come in yet, and Kyle took it way too far by almost taking the lives of these three other people. I know this is a comic, and we're supposed to feel some sort of satisfaction that the bad guys are beaten to a pulp, but I feel that it's done at Kyle's expense. This is right after Superman's pet talk of pep talk of not playing God, too. There was definitely a lot of hate in this episode, but it was actually Thomas DJ's hate for Kyle's dog collar costume. Hard to argue with that, though. Terrible costume. Yeah, the thing when this was an issue, I think you hit it on the head. It's the issue that was filled with hate, not only by the perpetrators of the crime in the issue, but Kyle letting his hate get the best of him and trying to go over the top to take these people down. It just, I guess in an effective way, it was Winnick showing how hate is a destructive force and can lead us to do things that really we probably wouldn't do if we were in our right minds. Good catch there. Anyway, going back to the email, he says, Green Lantern 155, this was a decent follow-up to the hate crime issue in 154, but it was a tough read again. The page where Terry writes a note to Kyle telling him that no one will tell him what happened was rough. The last page of Jon Stewart shining the power ring, though, is excellent. And in the end, Kyle decides to take a vacation from all these real-world issues, and I think Judd Winnick should take a break from these hard-hitting issues, too. We need some fun. Where's Nort when you need him? You know, as, as much as I love the character Nort, I don't think he would have fit in to the Green Lantern story there, but I would still love to see, like, a side, you know, maybe like a two-page backup of Guy and Nort at the Warrior's Bar. 
that would have been fun. Fortunately, probably never. Well, it didn't happen, and it probably never will happen. But we've got collateral damage, and that's a thing. Green Lantern 156, he writes, This was a not very good filler issue, yet it's another disturbing story by Winnick. This time, it's about the death of many immigrants in shipping containers. The cover is great, but I agree with you that the child looks very creepy. John stance on page 6, with his legs spread apart, is hilarious, but I'm guessing he's just trying to prove that his back is fine. The best part of this issue is Eagle Sham's artwork of Fatality. It's funny that John is very interested in her. You touched on John and Fatality's sexual relations in the current GL Corps run, but did you find out what actually happened in the end? Poor John. It's a tragic and very disgusting outcome. I think I remember something about what happened between John and Fatality. Uh, I know Chad and Mark talked about it over on the Lantern cast, and it's just not ringing a bell. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out, nonetheless. Finally, he says, Green Lantern, number 157. This was a fun character-building issue by Fairber. The artwork by Jamal Eichel was great as well. It's nice to see Killer Frost back, and I agree she seemed innocent in this issue, too. All she was doing was flirting with a fireman. I didn't like that Donna called her relationship with Kyle a rebound, because that was absolutely ridiculous. I don't think Fairber went back and read those issues, because he wouldn't have come to that conclusion if he did. I agree that this issue was refreshing, and the current event-driven issues like Relic and Power Drain is exhausting to read. Yeah, I'm really been impressed with Fairber. And I actually was listening to an episode of Make Dad Read Comics, which is hosted by Patrick Corin and his dad. And he actually just did a Mother's Day episode where he and his mom covered a book called Copperhead that Jay Fairber write, wrote that I may have to go pick up. Sounded really interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah, Jay Fairber did a really good job on the Green Lantern books that he sort of substituted. And I, I, I like his writing and I'll have to go pick up some more of his stuff. But anyway, uh, Scott finishes out with, you mentioned picking up the Superior Spider-Man trades. I've actually read the whole thing, and it is excellent. I'm not a fan of Dan Slott's regular Amazing Spider-Man, but for some reason, he hits Superior Spider-Man out of the park. Well, I've only got, I don't know how many more trades there are. I know it eventually went back to the Amazing Spider-Man. I guess Dan Slott's still running it. But I got up to about the part where Peter Parker had come back again, and uh, they had already effectively, I think the Goblin War is kind of heating up. And uh, the, uh, Venom had already taken over Spider-Man. So I need to go find those last few trades because it's, like, I, like you said, it's been an interesting run. Anyway, Scott finishes up saying, have a great week. Thank you very much, Scott. You have a great week as well. Thank you for writing in. You're one of my best letter writers, and I, I'm going to say you're one of my best listeners. Thank you for always providing some interesting things for the show. But I'm going to provide some interesting things for the show, hopefully, in my coverage of Green Lantern number 167. Green Lantern number 167 was cover dated September 2003 and released on July 30th of 2003. The cover price was 225 US and 375 Canada, and the title was The Blind Part 2. The writer was Ben Rabe, or Rob, I probably won't get that right ever. The penciler was Rick Burchett. The inker was Rodney Ramos. Colors and separations were by Moose Bowman. The letter was Kurt Hathaway. The assistant editor was Nachi Castro. And the editor was Bob Shrek. 
In Space Sector 2814, right near the third planet of the Sol system, the crew of the science vessel Tsunami argue amongst themselves about whether or not Green Lantern will be able to contain the Blind, a cosmic WMD that is currently attacking the Sun, and stave off the deadly bounty hunter who is, now has him trapped on his ship. Fortunately, Kyle isn't about to give up on either front as he engages in some Fighty McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Leyland, 2011, all rights reserved, with the Black Mask Outlaw. Kyle is getting his ass handed to him until he tries the old banana in the tailpipe trick, with the tailpipe being the barrel of the assassin's gun. Subduing his opponent with a ring construct web, Kyle tells the baddie that he's no pushover, and if he thinks that he can take him out, he needs to bring it on. Cut back to Earth, where Green Lantern John Stewart is delivering hair metal sonar back to the slab for safekeeping. After an affirmation-filled chat and fist bump with one of the guards, John flies back to his apartment to find his girlfriend, Marin, packing her things to leave. Back in space, Kyle contacts the worried crew of the tsunami and asks if they know who tried to get the drop on Kyle. Tippy says his name is Shiro Nova, cousin of Aldo Nova, and that all of this is a fantasy, and can you live this fantasy life? No, that doesn't happen. Actually, Shiro is like the Boba Fett of the DC Universe, in that they are both considered by most to be incredible bounty hunters, but in reality are kind of taken out pretty easily. Kyle asks about the status on the blind, and Tibby says that they've got less than 30 minutes. Shiro says Kyle can't stop this, and Kyle sets out to prove him wrong. But while Kyle heads out to contain the destructive dynamo, Shiro cuts his way free of his bonds and plans on attacking his foe once again. Fortunately, a giant blue stripper, oh, no, wait, I'm sorry, it's just Liana, shows up to dissuade Shiro from going after Green Lantern. Out in space, Kyle is being fed some technobabble about how to contain the blind by the crew of the Tsunami as he streaks towards its core. After a quick cut to Earth to witness John and Marin's adjustment of living spaces, we head back to Shiro's ship, where Liana confronts Shiro, telling him that eventually Kyle will save the lives of his family. Looking upon the Green Lantern struggling against all odds to contain the power of the blind, Shiro aborts the missile lock on Kyle and streaks off into space. Meanwhile, Kyle is struggling to channel the energy flow from the blind back in upon itself, and in the nick of time succeeds, saving the system and Earth as well. Tibby and crew fear the worst about the fate of Green Lantern, but Kyle makes a surprise appearance on the ship and gets a congratulatory tongue bath by the feline first officer. Saying his farewells and trying to get the musk of cat alien off of him, Kyle heads off into space only to encounter Liana floating nearby. Kyle says he's tempted to head back to Earth for a little super happy fun time with Jenny, but he's pledged to take down the Black Circle, so he needs to get that done first. Kyle tells Liana that her vision about him was wrong, as he saved billions of lives this day. But Liana has to be a Betty Bringdown quoting cosmic chaos theory about how the lives he saved here will only have doomed others tomorrow. an issue. 
I mean, there wasn't anything intrinsically bad in this issue. In fact, there are some great character-building moments that don't revolve around the major fight scenes that I really intend to enjoy, peppered throughout the book. But it really isn't anything spectacular. Rob seems to be playing a bit of a long game with the cast, which is interesting because I might have liked to see where this goes. But unfortunately, the fact that we have, what, less than 15 issues to go? just over a year till the series ends makes me wonder if the reason why his run was looked on so negatively is because he wasn't able to finalize all these things that he was seeing in the beginning of the book. I enjoyed the fact that uh, last issue we had Terry moving with Dave and this issue we're having Berin move out from John's as well as the ongoing search to take down the black circle is still going on. But the weird butterfly effect ending just has me wondering what the heck I actually read. The character of Liana, I think, in the series right now is the one big misstep. Her evolving from the baby guardian that was seated in the Judd Winnick run at issue 150, now sort of being grown up and looking like a beefy stripper, it's just all kinds of weird. But let's go through the book and see if I can focus on the positive in this. Starting out with the cover, it's it's a very zen-like cover with the uh, alien bounty hunter Shiro in a sort of cross-legged pose, smashing the uh, symbolic Green Lantern with his weird double helix DNA staff. It's a nice cover. It allows Shiro on the cover to look more masculine than he does in the book. When I was initially writing up my synopsis for the last issue, I was calling the character of Shiro a she because the character was so thin and had the sort of... She had the sort of expressionless mask and this headpiece that looked like hair, long hair that I figured it was a female, but I guess it's not, and here it looks, the character looks more masculine. Page one, Burchett does a really good job with alien characters. I still think the character of Crick, which is the sort of insectoid-like character, has a face like Larflees. I also have to admit that uh looks like uh, Burchett likes to draw teeth, because a lot of these characters, even Tibby the turtle has teeth. Think about that, a turtle with teeth, that's got to be unnerving. Pages 2 and 3, Burchett does a really good job of drawing Kyle very dynamically in this sort of two-thirds, two-page splash. The The bottom two-thirds of these two pages is taken up by Kyle fighting against Shiro, who's flailing against him with his flail and hitting Kyle on one of his ring construct shields. It's, it's a really great image, but again, looking at the character of Shiro, his very lithe and very not really frail, but just sort of skinny look makes me feel that he's a bit more female. It's just, it's just, it was one of those things that just took me off guard. It shouldn't be any problem, and I don't think there's any problem with it, but just, it's one of those things where I just don't get the design of the character. I also enjoy on the panels at the top of the two pages that you get the repetitive onomatopoeia of the sound wham as Shiro keeps smashing against Kyle's shield with her flail. With his flail. See, I'm still doing it. 
page five, panels one and two, this is kind of a nice homage to The Empire Strikes Back, where Kyle has ringed up a, a very Han Solo-like blaster pistol that he fires uh, at Shiro, and Shiro uses her fan to deflect the blast back at Kyle, actually hitting Kyle in the chest. So if it's not supposed to be an Empire Strikes Back uh, homage, it's a very clever one put in by Burchett. So good job on him. Page eight, we get a nice scene at the slab with John and hair metal sonar as he's delivering to them or delivering hair metal sonar back to the slab to be because I guess he broke out for whatever reason. You got to think that these high security superhero you know, prisons would be more careful with these people. But, you know, I guess sometimes they slip through the cracks. But um, this character that John meets, this female character, she's not given a name, but she is given a specific uh, couple of lines with John about how much she admires him and everything. And I'm wondering if this was also supposed to be seeding of a character development that was going to happen in the Ben Rabe run. No idea. Again, I guess we'll find out about it uh, as we progress on through the series. But it was a nice little thank you to John Stewart as this uh, guard was inspired by John to become a corrections officer. So that's that's also if it's not a character that's going to be shown in the book, it's a nice sort of thank you to John Stewart for doing what he does. Page eleven, we get Liana showing up to make sure that Shiro doesn't get away. Her appearance might seem kind of ominous because she is very she is very muscular. She's got the look of a female bodybuilder. Unfortunately, she's still got that goofy stripper clothing on. But at this point in time, you don't know whether Liana's come here to keep him contained or whether she's here to kill him. It's one of the things that you don't understand about the, the Guardian because of what happened with her in her initial outing. Pages 13 and 14, as we see Marin packing up the apartment, it just seems to be a way to get Marin out of the book. I mean, not that she was a big part of the book anyway, but it just seems like more story that uh, Ben Rabe's starting to set up. Maybe something interesting will go on with Marin's character, on, and we'll have a little side stories with her, but it seems just a way to focus more on the character of John and not have to have the baggage of his girlfriend hanging around. So I'm hoping that's not the case. Page 16, Leanna drops the news that Kyle will one day save Shiro's family. And the fact that she knows that isn't all that surprising. She's a guardian. She might know things that happened in the past and future and all this. But it is just more seeding of setup of things to come. And again, I wonder if this will all be touched upon or whether this is just Things that Ben Rabe's throwing, trying to see what will stick to the wall, see if he can get any traction on stuff, and some of it just eventually not coming to fruition. Then on page 18, I guess Liana's discussion with Shiro actually worked because he decides not to kill Kyle for whatever reason. Obviously, having something to do with his family, whether or not there's some... Maybe his family's being held hostage or something. I'm not really certain yet. We'll have to find out about that. Page 21, Kyle says that he used elements of the laws of thermodynamics to destroy the blind, basically folding entropy in upon itself and something about energy conversion and all that. It sounds scientifically accurate, especially for a comic book, but it doesn't really sound like something Kyle would say on his own. 
I think he would probably say, you know, I just put a construct around it and tried to contain the energy. So, uh, again, it's not that Ben Rabe's writing it badly. It's just he's writing it in a way that I don't think Kyle necessarily would display himself. So it's a little different. But then on page 22, we get Kyle encountering Liana and her giving him this mumbo-jumbo about the sort of cosmic butterfly effect that whatever lives he saves here will eventually mean lives will die in some other part of the universe. I, again, maybe this is something Ben Rabe's trying to seed here, but to me it just sounds like a bunch of space mumbo-jumbo that I'm not really all that keen on reading. Kyle just saved the planet Earth, which is what the Green Lantern's primary function should be, especially an Earth-based Green Lantern, and Leanna's got to go and crap all over it. I don't get it. So, yeah, not the greatest issue. Still not to the level of what I think a really bad Green Lantern issue would be, but I'm kind of wondering if this is what people are talking about, about this run not being as good as previous runs, so... However, maybe some of the ads in here will be better than the ads we've seen the past couple of months. Starting out with the front end side cover, we've got another advertisement for the uh, Navy. Uh, it's the uh, because top secret always looks good on your resume. Is we've got this strange, I don't know, island ship thing. A high tech that says Hydrek training always shows up on employees' radar. So I guess if you're trained in the Navy, you will get high tech training there and you can. Use that to get a job working radar? Sure. After that, we get the OxyClean ad. You've got zits and you need to take care of them. Oh, here's a fun one. Remember Tomb Raider? Yeah, that was a great game. Remember the Tomb Raider movie with Angelina Jolie? Yeah, that really wasn't all that great a movie. However, we do have an image for Got Milk here, which has Angelo, Angelina Jolie in a... Uh, in a bikini, and yeah, she's uh, very, uh, well, she's very attractive. And she has that unfortunate milk mustache thing as well. Which I'm certain if the hair metal hero was looking at that, he would think that it would be something other than a milk mustache. We love you, hero. Don't ever change. After that, we get an ad for something I've never really seen before in the comics, and it's an ad for Alienware computers. Now, Alienware is high-end, you know, top-of-the-line computer program or not programs, computer-based machines. Uh, this is a nice-looking machine. It's got uh, some interesting fan designs to make it look like an alien, but these machines, even nowadays, are some of the fastest computers out there, so surprising in their advertising Alienware computers inside a comic book. Well, I guess not that surprising. Computer nerds and comic book nerds are sort of in the same Venn diagram, you'd think. After that, we get Midtown Madness 3, another uh, racing game where you can race through various cities. I think New York, Chicago, etc. Then a game called Freaky Flyers for the Xbox and GameCube and PlayStation 2. It's got a couple of sort of anime-looking anthropomorphized Sonic the Hedgehog girls in, you know, cowboy hats with long hair, and uh, some, it looks like one of the guys from Earthworm Jin smiling over there. Looks fun. I guess you fly planes in a race, so rather than racing cars, you race planes. 
After that, we get the Hulk Unleash the Fury video game. I don't know if this is the sort of sandbox game where you could basically destroy everything. I think that was Ultimate Destruction. This is based off the first Hulk movie with the Eric Bana Hulk. So, yeah, probably not as interesting as the other one. After that, we can add for Jagan Fighters. I don't know. Is this a... I can't even tell what this is. It looks like it might be a... It's a dice-based game, I guess. And it's from Bandai. I have no idea. I've never heard of this before. But it looks like there's various different types of dice with one of the sides on the dice being held by sort of anime-type character, like a robot or an alien or kaiju or something like that. Odd. After that, we get an advertisement for... They needed a new hero, so they built Heat Guy. I'm um, sorry, Heat Guy J, Super Android. Uh, I guess this is an anime specifically for GameStop. I have never heard of this. He he looks like a sort of cybernetic Terminator Jonah Hex mashup. Kind of odd. Again, never heard of this character. After that, we can advertise them for the Extreme Summer Sweepstakes, because Extreme was still a thing. It's the ultimate video game prize package from Xbox. I guess you can win Xbox console games and more. All you have to do is visit DC Comics slash ESS. It's partnered up with AOL, which I guess was a Time Warner thing as well. So there you go. Makes sense. Uh, back inside cover is uh, Advance Wars 2, which I think is sort of a... It's not a it's not a real time strategy. It's a turn based strategy game where I guess you fight tanks against other people on the Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. Kind of neat. And the back outside cover is an advertisement for Superman, the animated series, and Batman, the animated series sticker books and glow in the start and glow in the dark sticker books. So that's kind of neat. Uh, some advertisement for kitty things in the comic, which is always entertaining to me. But yeah, finally some new ads, so that's kind of cool. I'm glad to see that. And I'll be glad to see what's going to be coming up next time on Just One of the Eyes. Looks like we'll be taking a look at Greenlander number 168 and more adventures in the Ben Rabe run of Kyle Rayner. It'll be something, won't it? Sure. So, hope you guys will come back next time. And until then, everyone have a great week. We'll catch you next week. That was redundant. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, hosted by yours truly, Sean Ingle. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books could be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcomed, too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at the brand new Two True Freaks website, located at twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers, and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Two True Freaks Presents Just One of the Guys podcast, and you should 
You can subscribe to the show there. You can search for me on Facebook as well. And now you can find me there, as it was a requirement of my new Demonza Core contract. But it doesn't mean that I'll be joining your little Candy Crush group anytime soon. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The opening music for today's show was Lights Out by Peter Wolf, formerly of the Jake Isles Band. Now, I would normally say you can go to Amazon.com to pick this up, and that you should use the Two True Freaks website to get to Amazon.com. Unfortunately, the only way you can get this song is by ordering the audio CD or the vinyl, and the audio CD on Amazon is running at $180. Never would I ask you to pay that price for a CD with this song on it. But I would recommend that you go to Amazon.com if you're wanting to buy anything else. Yes, you won't be able to get the Peter Wolf CD for a reasonable price, but you can get almost any other type of entertainment there, from DVDs to Blu-rays to video games to video game consoles. Anything that the modern nerd could probably want is definitely at Amazon.com. And if you use the link at 2TrueFreaks.com, any purchase you make from Amazon.com shoots a little bit of money back to the website. It won't cost you anything extra, and it really helps the 2 freaks out. So whenever you're thinking about buying something from Amazon, please be sure to use the link at 2TrueFreaks.com.